Hello, and thank you for listening to today's episode of JTCast, the official podcast of the Journal of Athletic Training. I'm your host, Luke Donovan. This month, we'll discuss two articles over two short episodes from the most recent issue of the Journal of Athletic Training. In the first episode, I will compare and contrast two modes of assessing hip strength. In the second episode, I'll explore the findings of a study that assessed quadriceps oxygenation during exercise in patients who underwent ACL reconstruction. As a reminder, the article discussed today can be found on the JAT website, natajournals.org. And please remember that all content from JAT is open access to all readers thanks to the funding from the National Athletic Trainers Association. The title of the first article is Weight-Bearing versus Traditional Strength Assessments of the Hip Musculature, authored by Dr. Brett Freemeyer and colleagues from the University of Hawaii at Manawa, Kailua High School, and John A. Burns School of Medicine. Let's survey the scene. The ability to develop and maintain adequate force through muscle contraction is an important component of athletic movements. Impaired function of the hip abductors and external rotators have been associated with altered lower extremity biomechanics and are hypothesized to contribute to various lower extremity injuries. Activation of the gluteus medius and gluteus maximus muscles during loading phases of gait or landing tasks aids with providing proper hip and knee dynamic stability by limiting excessive hip adduction and internal rotation. Inadequate force production and or incorrect timed activation of these muscles may result in a faulty movement pattern which then impairs the force distribution. This impaired force distribution could result in a dynamic valgus of the knee, a position associated with increased risk of injury. In a clinical setting, assessing hip strength is often completed using a handheld dynamometer during isometric brake tests and isotonic manual muscle testing during open chain and non-weight bearing positions and movements. Although commonly practiced, the differences in how the gluteal muscles activate during non-weight bearing positions and weight bearing positions may limit the application of non-weight bearing hip strength testing for determining injury risk during functional weight bearing activities. Essentially, the force a person is able to produce in the non-weight-bearing position may not translate or predict how much force the same person can produce during a weight-bearing position or task. Therefore, the purpose of this study was to compare the differences and correlations among three commonly used non-weight-bearing strength assessments and three emerging weight-bearing strength assessments across both limbs of healthy, active female athletes. The included strength tests will predominantly focus on techniques to assess the gluteus medius and gluteus maximus activation. 51 female athletes who had no history of knee surgery or a lower extremity injury in the past six months participated in this study and completed all strength testing during a single data collection session. Prior to testing, each participant completed a five-minute warm-up on a stationary bike using a self-selected pace. After the warm-up, a single investigator completed all strength assessments using a handheld dynamometer by following prescribed guidelines on patient position and instructions. Both the dominant, as determined by the preferred limb to kick a ball, and non-dominant limbs underwent strength testing. During each testing position, the participant first completed submaximal trials to ensure the proper testing position was being maintained. After the submaximal trials, the participant completed three maximum effort trials where they were instructed to maintain the testing position while using their muscles to resist a brake test force. 
The authors note that this study was part of a larger investigation, and therefore the order of testing could not be randomized. However, to minimize testing fatigue, participants were required to wait a minimum of 90 seconds between trials. The trial that produced the greatest force was normalized to the participant's mass and used for analysis. The strength assessment order and positions were as follows. Weight-bearing assessments were completed first and started with a squat position where each limb was tested simultaneously. This position was known as squat bilateral. Next, participants were retested using the same squat position. However, during this position, each limb was tested independently, which was referred to as the squat unilateral position. The final weight-bearing test was done using a lunge position. Across all three weight-bearing tests, the investigator applied a valgus force to the lateral and distal thigh. Therefore, in order to maintain the testing position, the participants needed to match the applied valgus force by attempting to abduct and externally rotate the hip through the gluteus medius and maximus activation. Following the weight-bearing tests, participants completed the three non-weight-bearing strength tests. Strength was assessed using a clans shell position to assess hip external rotation strength, a donkey kick position to assess hip extension strength, and finally a side-lying position to assess hip abduction strength. An illustration of all six testing positions can be found within figure one of the article. Here are the results. Participants were able to generate the greatest amount of force during the squat bilateral position. When the force production during the squat bilateral test was compared to the non-weight-bearing tests, the dominant limb was able to produce 65% of the force during the clamshell hip external rotation position, 62% of the force during the side-lying hip abduction position, and 53% of the force during the donkey kick hip extension position. Again, compared to force production during the squat bilateral test, the non-dominant limb was able to produce 74% of the force during the clamshell position, 69% of the force during the sideline position, and 61% of the force during the donkey kick position. Similar trends were found between the squat unilateral test and the non-weight-bearing tests. However, the magnitude of difference was not clearly as pronounced. Conversely, the participants produced the least amount of force during the lunge test. The authors found large differences in force production when comparing the lunge test to the non-weight-bearing tests. When the force production during the lunge test was compared to the non-weight-bearing test, the dominant limb was able to produce 162% of the force during the clamshell position, 156% of the force during the sideline position, and 132% of the force during the donkey kick position. The comparison between the non-dominant limb was similar. The relationship between weight-bearing and non-weight-bearing tests ranged from small to moderate where the squat unilateral tests shared the greatest variance with the non-weight-bearing tests. The primary findings of the study were that in female athletes, force production differed between weight-bearing and non-weight-bearing hip strength tests. The largest differences were observed in the squat bilateral test, a test in which participants were able to generate the greatest amount of force, and the lunge test, a test where participants produced the least amount of force. The true impact of these findings are not entirely clear, but the results do signify that in order to have a comprehensive assessment of hip isometric strength, that clinicians need to include strength tests beyond traditional non-weight bearing positions.
Future investigations still need to be completed to determine whether weight-bearing hip strength tests can be used as a clinical tool to identify athletes at risk for lower extremity injury. Well, that's it for today's JAT cast. Please remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast, which is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Stitcher. You can find out more information about upcoming podcasts and other JAT events on our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram accounts at JAT underscore NATA. Thank you for listening and keep a lookout for next JAT cast episode. (music) 